0: We are in part two of my ongoing sermon series, Understanding God. And the Lord put this on my heart because I believe what I've learned uh, as I've been teaching all these years is that there's a misconception on the part of, of the people about who God really is. Uh, and in order to have a deeper, more fundamental, closer relationship with God, you need to understand precisely who God is. Uh, And this week I'm going to focus on the goodness of God, the goodness of God. So many of us have a distorted view of who God is. Uh, And when we truly understand God's goodness, his kindness, his graciousness towards us, I believe it will transform us and our view of him and draw us closer to him. Now, a clear scriptural definition of God's goodness can be found in Psalm 84, verse 11. And you'll see it on the screen. For the Lord God is a sun and shield. The Lord bestows favor and honor. No good thing does he withhold from those whose walk is blameless. Now, when you read this, you'll notice that it says there, He will not withhold any good thing from those whose walk is blameless. Now, none of us are blameless, but as we've accepted Jesus Christ, we've taught you that God sees you through the filtering lens of Christ. And through the filtering lens of Christ, you are indeed good. And so he will not withhold any good thing. He will be there for you. He is a sun and a shield, meaning he gives warmth. He gives warmth and light, and yet he is a shield to protect you, and we're going to talk about that. Uh, And so he he bestows all good things on those who walk with him. And that's the essence of our life with Christ, walking with him. You know, the theologian uh, Tozer penned uh, a great definition of the generosity of God, and I wanted to share it with you. It's on the board. The goodness of God is that which disposes him to be kind, cordial, benevolent, and full of good will toward men. He is tender-hearted and of quick sympathy, and his unfailing attitude toward all moral beings is open, frank, and friendly. By his nature, he is inclined to bestow blessedness, and he takes total pleasure... In the happiness of his people, what a great definition that is of the very goodness of God! How much He loves you and wants to embrace you and be kind to you. I love this this passage where it says He's kind, cordial, benevolent, and full of goodwill to men who walk with Him. Again, men who walk with Him, and He's inclined. He's inclined to bestow that blessedness, and He takes total pleasure in seeing that you are happy. And so God has also revealed his goodness in person. We see this in Exodus, uh, where Moses received the Ten Commandments. Moses wanted to know God. Uh, Moses had had incredible relationships with God. He had spoken with God through the burning bush. He had seen the miracles uh, in Egypt. He had seen the crossing and the parting of the Red Sea. Uh, He saw God provide water and manna. In the desert. Uh, And yet he wanted a more personal and intimate knowledge of God. And that's what happens when you see God being kindly and generous toward you. In Exodus 33, uh, he says there, then Moses said, now show me your glory. In other words, I want to see you as you really are. Can you imagine having that kind of relationship? That you talk one on one with God. I want to see you, God. I want to see who you really are. And then the Lord did reveal himself to Moses in a most powerful way when you read the scripture. Look at Exodus 33, verse 19. And the Lord said, I will cause all my goodness to pass in front of you. And I will proclaim my name, the Lord, in your presence. I will have mercy on On whom I will have mercy I will have compassion on whom I will have compassion but he said you cannot see my face for no one may see me and live and that's the power of God that we as human beings cannot see his face cannot see him while we're in this world only when we're in the next world and so God wanted to give Moses that gift and so God puts Moses in the cleft of the rock in a way so that he's shielded. He then puts his hand in front of the face of Moses, and then he passes in front of Moses. Uh, And the reaction of Moses is awe-inspiring as you see God speaking about himself. Exodus 34, verse 5. Then the Lord came down in the cloud and stood there with him and proclaimed his name, the Lord. And he passed in front of Moses, proclaiming the Lord, the Lord, the compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness, maintaining love to thousands and forgiving wickedness, rebellion, and sin. Yet he does not leave the guilty unpunished. He punishes the children and their children for the sin of the parents to the third and fourth generation. Now, this is a much misunderstood passage. I don't want you to leave here thinking that God punishes uh, innocent children and grandchildren for the sins of the parents. God does not. But what this is, this is transitional evil and sin. This is the kind of evil that starts with the uh, grandparent, migrates down to the parent, migrates further down to the children where they continue to abide in a pattern of evil and sin. That's what that's speaking about. That is not innocent, uh, incidental sin. And when you see this passage, you see how God describes himself. The compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger. Look at the world. I mean, what kind of God do we have that he can allow this world to go on without being destroyed? I would ask you, if you were God, what would you do? I know I'd put my big size 13 down a long time ago, all right? There's no question about it. And I believe that many of us would do the same thing. We wouldn't put up with it as these uh, really uh, people, these pagans, shake their fist at God, refuse to obey him, indict him, uh, and then malign him. Uh, And so, yes, he is slow in anger, but he abides in love and faithfulness, maintaining love to thousands upon thousands and millions upon millions. Yet he does not leave the guilty unpunished. There is a day of punishment, but God is patient. He waits and waits to give everyone the chance to come to faith. Look, this becomes important. The generosity of God, the generosity of God means a disposition to give to us in a way that has no mercenary motive. There is nothing that you can do For God to make Him want to give to you, all right. I understand you'll go on television. You'll see these televangelists talk about, "Give me ten bucks and I'll send you back a prayer cloth," and you're going to receive X and you're going to receive Y. You're going to get a new car. You're going to get a new house. You're going to have more stocks. You understand that? Look, where do you find this in the Bible? How'd the first twelve guys work out? How'd it work out for them? Every one of them was martyred. Where is this coming from? It's coming from uh, an ambition to pocket money. That's where it's coming from. Make no mistake about it. And I said we preach the Bible, and that's what the Bible teaches us. There is no quid pro quo with God. All right? I wanted to bring you back to court. Quid pro <laughs> quo. That is a Latin word and language that's used in contract law, meaning this for that. That's how man works. I'll do this if you do that for me. Quid pro quo. Well, guess what? There's no quid pro quo with God. He loves you and wants to bless you and has given you the free gift of salvation. Uh, And He sends the rain on the just and the unjust. How about that? I know that bothers some of us. Why does this person uh, prosper? He's not a good person. Well, there's always a day of reckoning with God. All right? Make no mistake about it. That will not change. And so he does give showers of blessings uh, to this world that none of us deserve. There's not a single person anywhere that deserves the blessings of God that he gives. Yet he gives lavishly and continuously. You are the object of his affection because of God's unique nature. Not because of you, not because of your winsome personality or because of all the things that you've done, only because he loves you. And that is his wave of generosity towards you. Now, when you re-understand God's ways, you are humbled, because you realize you didn't deserve this in any way. Look, I had this lesson taught to me at an early age, and I know I've said it before, but there's some in the radio audience, I believe, that might not have heard it, and that's this. When I was a young lawyer, maybe 28, 29, and I was starting to get success, and I was starting to sign up big clients and win big cases. I would go to my mom and dad's house a couple times a week. Uh, and I would have breakfast with them before I went to the office. Uh, and when I would do, do that, I would try to regale them with my latest successes. Well, wow, this. You understand. You're 28, 29 years old. If you can't brag to your mother and father, who are you going to brag to, right? And so there I am, full of myself, going on and on. And my father would say, Thank God. Thank God. Every time I'd mention something, he'd go, Thank God. Wait, and after a while, I go, Wait a minute, wait a minute. What about me? What about me? I'm killing myself. You know how hard it is? We don't have any contacts. I'm out there doing the best I can, and you're just saying every time I give you something, Thank God. He goes, Well, wait a minute, wait a minute now. Now, could you do this if God didn't give you an intellect? Well, Well, no. And could you do this if God didn't allow you to have an education? Well, no. And could you do this if God didn't give you health? Well, no. And could you do this if you didn't have your mother and me and the rest of the church praying for you? Could you? Well, no. And by the time breakfast was over, I was like a midget. (laughs) Just big. I needed help getting the door open to get out of the house. That caused me not to have breakfast for a few weeks. (laughs) But the lesson has remained for me for life. And I want this lesson to remain with you. We deserve nothing. You understand? We deserve nothing. Our good works and our morality is like filthy rags before God, but for the saving grace of Jesus Christ. Amen? And so when you realize realize, truly realize, the generosity of God toward us, it significantly affects your spiritual life. Because what you find then is when you get up in the morning, you start thanking him for everything he's given you, all the blessings that surround you, the family. I can't tell you how many times I thank him for this church, for you, that God has given us this group of people that love each other, where we can come together and worship all of this, causes us to get closer to him as we recognize he is dispensing all this to us. It becomes easier and easier to walk with him and meditate with him, just like Moses did. You see this, God is soft of heart. The world doesn't know this. He has sympathy towards you. He has love towards you. He does not hold grudges. You like that? How many of you, can say, you don't hold grudges. I've heard, I know people say, well, well yeah, I have, I have forgiven. I, have for, I haven't forgotten. I haven't forgotten, but I have forgiven. Well, let me tell you something. There is no forgiveness if you haven't forgotten it. You understand? That's what you learn when God teaches this to us. He longs to express his love and kindness and goodness and compassion to you in such a way, uh, because that is his nature. This is what we have to teach a lost world about. Now, all of this becomes an important part of our worship with God. Worshiping God is seeing who he really is. And that's why we give all of our time, our heart, our money, everything that we do, we give him because he's owed it. And you've heard me say this more than once. I laugh when people tell me, is it is the tithe on the grosser the net?" It's on the gross of the net. I need to know that. I, want to, I, don't want, I, I, I need to know how to do this. Look, here's the mindset that you need to have when you deal with God. It's all his. You understand? It's all his. And when you understand it's all his and that he gave it to you, then what part of his do you want to give back? You think that affects your life and your mentality? and your walk with him. And that's why we become overwhelmed with his generosity. And we understand his love and we see it so clearly. The image of God is not one of an angry parent ready to quash you. Nothing could be further from the truth and that's what this world has distorted. Uh, And so look, how does God reveal his goodness to his people? Well, he does it in several ways. Uh, First, he pours out his goodness. Uh, through natural blessings. Meaning what? Look around you. Look at nature. Look at the creation. Look at every day. Look at the sun. You get up in the morning and you see you're surrounded by beauty every day uh, of your life. This is God bestowing his love to a world that doesn't deserve it. He gives it to the just and the unjust. Uh, And we see here, in Scripture, that God lavishes his goodness, not just on believers, but on unbelievers and all his creatures, because this is a way that God hopes to draw them to him. Look at Psalm 145, verse 7. They celebrate your abundant goodness and joyfully sing of your righteousness. The Lord is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger and rich in love. The Lord is good to all. He has compassion, On all he has made, this should comfort us in our darkest hours. That's how you need to be comforted to know he is surrounding you with his love and his generosity and his goodness. Look also at 145, the same Psalm, verse 15. The eyes of all look to you and you give them their food at the proper time. You open your hand and satisfy the desires of every living Thing. What a great passage of the generosity and goodness of God. The Lord is righteous in all his ways and faithful in all he does. Uh, and you need to remember this as you worship him and come closer to him. We need to remember that we are all a part of that great promise. He is a faithful provider uh, for all that he has made. Verse 21 ends the psalm with David's personal expression of worship where he says, My mouth will speak in praise of the Lord. Let every creature praise his holy name forever and ever. And that's where we have to be as a people and as a church, constantly praising him, thanking him, lifting him up so that a lost world can see exactly who our God is. Now, another way of God's expression of love and generosity towards his people in the world is through specific deliverances. Specific deliverances. And the scriptures are filled with these kind of examples of God delivering his people. Psalm 107 is a good example of this in scripture. There are four specific examples of deliverances in Psalm 107. First, God redeems the helpless from their enemies. He redeems them. He protects them. Uh, God rescues us from the shadow of death, because he is good. You have no idea how many times you were in the shadow of death. Get in your car and drive from one end of Naples to the other. (laughs) I can say that you are within the shadow of death almost two or three times a week. You know, we laugh about it, but it's true. You have no idea how many times God has prevented you from some horrific accident. Uh, God heals our diseases because he is good. Do you have any idea how many times you may have come in contact with some terrible disease and yet God intervened? God intervened and protected you? And yet sometimes God does allow disease to take place because he's making something great of you. Here's the thing, folks. You are lucky if you can see 10 feet down the road of life and he sees eternity. Who knows what he's doing with you, with your body, and with your creation, that creation that will affect eternity, and he may even be using sickness to do that. I said to a dear sister this morning who I know is going through that kind of temptation, I I said, "You, You lift me up. Just looking at you lifts me up. You understand? When you see Christian people, Christian people walking even as they suffer. That is a lifting up uh, by God, an affirmation that's even greater than any message I could deliver. Then God also protects us from the storms that threaten to sink our lives because he is good. We have no idea of the storms that God has avoided for us, that other people fall into because he loves you, because he loves you, and he is kind and compassionate towards you. We need to ask God to bring these memories to our mind. That's a message that I think needs to be made. You need to pray, God, help me to remember and to see that many a times that you interceded with my life because I need to know this, Lord. It helps me to understand you because I'm forgetful. I can't even find my parked car. And I need to be reminded, really, I need to be reminded of what you have done for me. All right? That's a message I want you to think about when you leave here. Lord, let me be reminded of everything that you've done for me in so many ways. Look, this is all outlined in Colossians chapter 1, verse 15, where it says there that the Son, Jesus Christ, is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation, For in him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities. All things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together." You understand what that means when it says all things hold together? Science has now concluded that the entire universe is being held together by this invisible interstitial power uh, that keeps everything in its place. The sun, the moon, the earth, the planets, energy, all right? The asteroids, the stars, all held together. How? Beats me beats me. But it's here in the Bible. It's Jesus. He created it. And he holds it together. And let me tell you, folks, the day may come when God says, let it go. You understand? And I believe that's coming down the road at some point. Let it go. Verse verse, there, 18, continuing on. And he, Jesus, is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning And firstborn from among the dead so that in everything he might have supremacy. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. And the church said, amen. Amen. You understand? All things. Jesus all things, everything held together. And let me put this to you very plainly. If you want to know how much God loves you, he bankrupted heaven to send Jesus to a world that, disturbed, that deserved destruction. But instead, he wanted to save you. Now, Jesus reveals God's goodness in two ways. The first comes in the form of the undeserved goodness that he gives us from the cross that he saved us. Uh, God demonstrates his own love for us in this, that while we were outside of God's will, while we were sinners, yet he saved us. We didn't deserve to be saved, uh, but God sent Jesus to die in your place. The second evidence of that relates to future benefits, meaning this, that God saw you and loved you and wanted you to come and be with him in heaven forever. How about that? And your family with you, all that would believe. This was the goodness of God and the generosity of God in a way that none of us ever deserved. We see the goodness of God in all these acts. And when you do, and you meditate on it, and you pray on it, it leads to a changed life. This is what it means to be born again. Suddenly, you recognize I don't deserve anything but punishment. Father, I recognize everything that I have is from you. I walk with you, Lord, and I bless you in every way. That's a changed life. You're no longer me, me, I, I. Now it's you, you in every way, whatever I have, whatever I hope to be. All of this, all of God's generosity and goodness should lead To a changed life. You understand? That's what this is about. We need to recognize our wrong thinking. And how we have not put God. In his proper perspective. We need to thank him. Every hour of the day. For everything that he has given us. Everything. Your family. Your church. Your job. Your health. Whatever it is. He gave it to you. And you need to thank him hourly. So that you walk with him. Look. Look, the great verse of Romans 8.28, one of my favorite verses in the Bible, summarizes this magnificently. And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purposes. All things, not just good things, Not just good days, but all days, working for the good of those who walk with him. Lord, I pray today that our congregation commits their heart to you and says, I will remember, I will walk with you, I will be with you. And I thank you, Father, in everything that you have done for me. Let's bow our heads as we close this sermon. Lord Jesus, I thank you, Father for the words that you've given us through the Holy Spirit. I thank you for the generosity that you have given to us, even as undeserving as we are, Father. I ask you, Father, to make us mindful today, to open our minds about all the ways you have blessed us, all the things that you have done for us, all of the protection that you have given us. And let us bow our knees before your throne as we come and get closer to you and worship you and thank you in a daily way for all of these things. Father, I bless. I ask you to bless our congregation. Let these words be emblazoned on their heart. Let all of them leave here with a greater purpose in their hearts to serve you and to give to a lost world this message. We put all of this in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Amen.